Welcome to the Hamilton Wealth podcast number 20 for November 2018. I'm John Green and today I'm joined by Will Hamilton. Will, another volatile October. Any thoughts? Yeah, look, why is October volatile? Um, No one can ever explain that to me, but it's been dominated by the continuation of the equity market sell-off that commenced in September. It technically is a correction, being in excess of 10% when you combine September and October. And one of the things is markets across the world are now negative on a calendar year-to-date basis. So while global equity markets have been highly correlated during this recent sell-down, it's interesting to know how closely markets outside the US have tracked the US market on the downside, despite those markets in many cases having lower valuations and underperformed the US for most of 2018 prior to October. So most equity markets now are below their long-term fair value, and that's evident throughout the UK and Europe, Australia and the US. You've also visited New York and Boston recently. Any insights from that trip? Yeah, look, thanks. There was a lot. Um, Look, my first two observations from a very high level, um, having not visited the US for 18 months, is the US is now a very divided country because of the polarising politics around President Trump. GDP growth is at the end of the second quarter. It exceeded 4.2%. Company earnings are clearly very strong and they've exceeded expectations. But fund managers were surprisingly cautious, mainly because of the US political landscape ahead of the midterm elections on Melbourne Cup Day, which is Tuesday the 6th of November. And it was also interesting, most conversations about the midterm elections were very logical, but often ended with the, but I thought Donald Trump wouldn't be elected president. So in other words, people were telling me they didn't have a clue. Um, two of the most interesting meetings I had were, one was, was with Liv Cantrell, who is the head of public policy at PIMCO, and at Fidelity uh, we met with a CIA uh, agent, ex-CIA agent, who spent 25 years in clandestine services, so he observed and reported on conflict. So the Trump administration has been very busy over the last 20 months, and you've seen the US S&P 500 over that period appreciate approximately 19% since his inauguration. Um, And there have been many good things that have come as a result of the the new administration. You've had tax cuts, you've had the 2018-19 spending bill, and that's provided fiscal stimulus. This is, it's a sugar pill, no doubt about it, but it's contributed 0.6% to GDP in 2018, and at least 0.4% it will contribute in 2019. And in 2020, despite the fact many people are forecasting that you'll see a decrease in GDP, people have said, well, the effect on spending will be decreased. As was pointed out by PIMCO to us, it will probably actually be flat because it's an election year and governments spend going into an election year. Then you've had the deregulation tailwind, which Cantrell said is real, but it's evolutionary, not revolutionary. It basically provides a boost in animal spirits. There's been no substantial new regulation nor any wholesale repeal, but Cantrell feels it will be a 2020 story for its impact. And then you've got the con- the continuity at the Federal Reserve. So you've got a new Federal Reserve Chairman, Jerome Powell. Um, he's a little bit more hawkish or prone to increase rates um, than under Janet Yellen. But it is providing, effectively, a continuation of Janet Yellen's policies and a normalisation of monetary policy. So the markets are pleased with that. And then there's been a few other governors that he's appointed, which do show the Fed independence, regardless of the um, president's outspoken views on Fed action. 
Then there's the bad, um, and all this spending, the US budget deficit is the largest casualty from the Trump administration. It's moved from negative 3.4% of GDP to negative 4.2% this year, estimated, and forecasted to be negative 4.6 in both 2019 and 20. So these figures do not factor in as well the increased infrastructure, infrastructure pre spending that the president wishes to conduct and when you go on their roads you see that they do need to spend money on infra infrastructure. The worry is the deficit of this side could also limit future counter-cyclical stimulus such as infrastructure if this was ever required and this will be an issue especially when trying to pass such a bill for infrastructure. Remember also tax receipts, we just talked about the tax cuts earlier on as the good, they're down, they're up in dollar terms, but down as a percentage of GDP, so, and spending is increasing. Uh, you've also got the Fed, independently of the, of the administration, looking to tighten again in December this year and at least two more cut, uh, sorry, rises in 2019. Also, like Australia, the bulk of US expenditure is entitlement spending, so welfare and things like that. So until a recession is encountered, this will not be tackled. And in any event, it would not get de Democrat support if it was attempted. And then you've got White House staff turnover, and that's been well publicised. And Cantrell uh, pointed out that Trump has had 75% turnover in key staff. This compares with 59% turnover in Reagan's first two years, 17% for both the President's Bush, 41% for Obama, and 58% for Clinton. So the issue here is policy coherence. Um, and also, it's, it's also difficult to employ people um, with that degree of turnover. Cantrell also pointed out that Trump's deep-seated philosophy on trade, which will create a headwind to, to growth. The President does have a unilateral authority to, to impose protectionist measures, so what he can use is national security interests as a reason to impose sanctions. So these sanctions, they poll very, very well. 73% of Republicans say they are good for the US versus 40% of Democrats. There's a strong view that previous approaches didn't work, especially with China, and the Chinese sanctions are therefore, they're, they're politically popular with the general population. Um, there was a view that China situation will get worse before it gets better. The US will not bring this issue to a quick conclusion. We'll see, there's um, ASEAN coming up. The Chinese state is the Communist Party and the rising Chinese middle class is questioning the party over the environment, the economy and human rights. So Trump sees tariffs as putting pressure on the party. So there is a philosophical thing behind this as well. The US sees the political costs of these tariffs as manageable for them, more manageable than it is for China. So this is about slowing China's rise in power and slowing down the serial theft of intellectual property um, yeah, such as the Made in China 2020 strategy, um, where Trump believes this is based on stealing American IP. Then you've got auto tariffs, which could come in. Um, apparently Cantrell mentioned that how upset Trump gets when he sees BMWs, for instance, on the US roads. But he fails to acknowledge that in South Carolina, BMW is the largest employer and that more BMWs are exported from the US globally than they are from Germany. So if auto tariffs were introduced, this would be, though, difficult um, on a political front. Then there's the potential of the ugly. So I think this is a, this is a very important thing. Um, I don't think the ugly will bear out, but we just need to, to take it into account, and that's the US midterms. So all 435% House seats in, or congressional seats are up for election, and the Republicans currently hold a 23-seat majority. So this is a referendum on the President, and with Trump holding a 41% approval rating, the likely outcome is a slim Democrat majority. In the Senate, 
The current state is 51 Republican senators and 49 Democrat senators. 35 senators are up for re-election, of which 26 are Democrat and 9 are Republicans. 10 Democrat seats are in states Trump won in 2016. It appears only three Republican seats are competitive for Democrats. So the maths is bad for the Democrats, and they'll need a tidal wave, basically, of increased support to gain control of the Senate. So basically, the mathematics just don't stack up for the Democrats to get the Senate. Um, so some people are even calling an increased majority in the Senate for the Republicans, potentially up to seven. So where we, we get to uh, scenarios on this? Scenario one, if the election plays out, as I've just explained, uh, Democrat uh, majority in the House, Republican majority in the Senate, you'll see equity market uncertainty continue a little bit, but a bounce from these lows we're experiencing. There's no doubt governing for the next two years without the President controlling Congress uh, will be difficult. But the key issue is here is who's going to be the Speaker of the House. If it's Nancy Pelosi, then the risk of impeachment proceedings going down um, decreases. If it's a more progressive Speaker, then this risk rises. Um, also remember, as was pointed out, Trump is an effect Democrat light. So, and Pelosi does, you know, she's a realist and she does want to, she's a responsible individual wanting to govern for the people. Scenario two, if the Republicans retain both houses, equity markets are going to rally and rally strongly. Scenario three, if the Democrats gain both houses, which mathematically doesn't look likely at all, then you could possibly, I'd say, see a sell-off from here um, and see the sell-off continue. Um, but also remember that the Senate would need 60 votes to roll back any Trump agenda, and that, again, also looks um, unlikely. Another key issue that was talked a lot about was the oil price, and Trump's been very outspoken on the fact that he wants to see oil prices lower, and he's been pressuring the Saudi Arabians on this. The stronger oil price that we have been seeing is a result of sanctions and restrictions on Iranian oil, oil exports. Trump has drawn a line in the sand, and as a result, Iran is now threatening to block global oil distribution through cyber attacks on other Gulf nation producers. They've already illustrated they can do it. They targeted Aramco, which is the Saudi government oil producer, as a warning of what they can do. Just watch out in November if this happens as the oil price. There's a risk out there that this could spike. But the sanctions against Iran are having an effect. Many European countries, such as Total, the big uh, French uh, oil company, Airbus, Peugeot, are all pulling out of Iran, not wishing to endanger what the relationship they have with the US. China is also uh, very dependent on Iranian oil and has made it known that it will not abide by these sanctions. It was stressed that the difference that divide China and Russia are greater than the similarities. Likewise, Iran is a large consumer of Russian military goods and resents China's growing commercial interests in Iran. Thanks very much, Will. It's certainly going to be an interesting end to the year. Uh, any concluding comments? Yeah, look, um, there's a US group called Advisor Perspectives, and 49% uh, of US financial advisors reported that political environment is the most common concern they're hearing from clients. So the upcoming midterm elections are causing much of this concern. We've often told our clients, as you've heard us say and or read, markets hate uncertainties. There are many uncertainties at the moment. That's the reason why we've seen this volatility in September and definitely in October. We therefore expect the current volatility to remain at least until the US midterm elections have been decided and the way ahead becomes clearer. So look, to stress that the downside we're experiencing is a correction, it's not a crash. By early to mid-November, a clear path will be ahead. 
it will be evident into 2019. So it's a slight wait and see, but a buying opportunity is approaching with this volatility that we're experiencing. Great. Thanks very much again, Will, and thank you to all our listeners. Um, if any of you have any questions, please don't hesitate to contact us on 03 9275 8888. Thank you. Thank you.